It is episode 15 of From the Braves Booth, and it's great to have you all with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And as we're doing this podcast, Joe, we are sitting in our home radio booth in Atlanta. Good to be home after a long trip out west. Wow. You know, I pulled in today, and I was really surprised that the parking lot attendants even knew who I was or recognized (laughs) me because it seems like we've been gone a month. I I feel like I'm still in a a West Coast fog. I feel, feel like it takes a good two days before you get acclimated to being back east and everything you got to do because yeah. it changes going from the road to coming back home. You know that song by Billy Joel, New York State of Mind? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a reverse of that. You, you come from the West Coast and it does, it takes you a while to adjust because you stay up late. Yeah. You know, it's, if you're on Pacific time for 10 days, all of a sudden it's midnight and Eastern time, and you're still going strong. <laughs> My brain's like, what do you want from me right now? Yeah, like, right. T- t- tell me what you want. I don't know if I can com- come through and, and help you here. Right. Come home, and you know, you, you talk about the postseason being next week. It really feels like it starts tonight. As we're recording this podcast, it is Tuesday, the, the beginning of this homestand, and the Braves have three games with the Phillies. And coming off what was a very successful road trip, which is bizarre because the losses that you had were bad losses. So from one standpoint, it doesn't feel the way that a really good road trip should feel, but it was a really good road trip for this bunch. They won a bunch of baseball games. Oh, man, oh, man. It it, it finished up on a heck of a note. I know that uh, that first loss in San Francisco was tough to swallow, but uh, what a comeback by the team. They they coughed up that game in Arizona. They should have won also, but went on to play really well in San Diego. It was exactly what they needed. They needed to go out there and, and kick some booty, and they did just to to uh, maintain what they had when they left town. Tell you what, it, it's strange how the season can play out because if you go back to when the Braves hosted the Padres in Atlanta, and I had told you that the Braves were going to eliminate the Padres from the postseason and the Braves were going to win the division, back when the Padres were here, you'd have thought, how is that going to take place? Padres at one point were 17 games over 500, and the Braves ended up eliminating them from postseason play with that, that second win uh, in game game two and what a win that was i mean if, if i'm looking for an example of fight from this ball club that's the game i'm pointing to well i loved it so much it was an extra inning game too and they haven't been very good in extra innings but you are so right there were so many ways to lose that ball club that ball game and they didn't mm-hmm. they actually won it so that was a huge game to win and they took care of business on sunday to come home on a happy plane and it was happy it was and it, it made me feel better about that friday night loss because you lose a game like that to the Giants you lose a game like that to anybody it's going to sting you're one pitch away from winning a ball game on a Friday night on the road and then you take into account that it's the Giants that's a postseason team that's a team that's had the best record in baseball all the way and what it boils down to is you're one pitch away from taking two out of three in their ballpark so that's a game you weren't supposed to lose but I'd counter that and say the game that you won in game two versus the Padres probably a game you weren't supposed to win and, and it, it kind of balances out uh, to a degree in my mind well old age-old baseball guys like me will tell you well they all even out you know usually that applies to a hitter who's uh, really struggling and he's hitting line drives at people and somebody just to keep your spirits up will tell you they'll all even out and you don't really buy it but i think there is something to that you go over the course of 162 games my goodness there's going to be 
10 games, you're going, we were lucky to win those. Yeah. And there's going to be at least that many, half a dozen to 10, where you think, how did we lose that game? So maybe they do even out a little bit. I know they did on this road trip. That's the beauty of 162, because everybody's going to have clunkers. Everybody's going to have games that they blow. Everybody's going to have games that they shouldn't have won that they did. Miracle wins. And you get to the end of 162, and the best teams are left standing. That's, that's the thing about this game, is you play so long, and it's just a matter of who can hang in there the longest think about what the Padres were thinking Saturday night I mean I mean they had uh, they were one out away one pitch away from winning that ball game and all of a sudden there's um, a wild pitch and I can't remember how it's a pass ball that got Riley how did Riley get on I forget did he walk he had a Mm. I think he walked, passed ball to second, yeah. scored on a base hit. Those are the kind of games where uh, a team like uh, San Diego's scratching their heads saying, how did we lose that? Would have driven me nuts. Yeah, Look, yeah. Let's see, looking back on it now, Austin singled and then got the second on a pass ball. Duvall flew out. So Rosario's down. That's it. Yeah. You're down to, and he shoots one in the shallow right field, just yeah. a loop. Yeah. And you tie the game because of a pass ball. Yeah. As... as was so often said in Chicago, the White Sox, Ken Harrelson, it was a duck snort <laughs> out behind second, and it worked. It did. It definitely did. Speaking of Austin Riley, how about this kid's month? It's, in, in the field and at the plate. Yeah, he's he's got to be one of the top contenders for player of the month in the month of September. And, uh, you know, what, what's really cool about it is that at his age, he has stepped up. He's been good all year, with the exception of, of a slow start. He's been good the rest of the year, and to really elevate his game as he has in September is just huge and real credit to him. You get this thing done, and of course you've got your usual suspects with Freddie and Charlie Morton, Max Freed, but I, I say that about Riley to say that in my mind over the last few months, he's become one of the usual suspects. Yes. It's not a surprise for him to have a great month and, oh, thank you, where would it be without Austin Riley? I think you get to the point now where you expect that from Austin the same way you expect it from Ozzy or Freddie or Darno. That's the kind of player he's become this season. Another thing about what Austin's been doing is um, hitting the ball hard. There may be, it may not be up there in the caliber uh, of a Jorge Soler. Uh, and in terms of how the ball comes off his bat, but it's pretty close. Yeah. And it's more consistent. And he's hitting it to right center and using the whole field. But Austin is really hitting the ball on the button. I'm glad you brought up Solaire. Uh, I know that when it comes to this current lineup and the lineup that the Braves have tonight for Philadelphia, it's the same then, same one that we saw when they moved Solaire to the top of the order in Arizona. And we've not seen the Phillies since July. I think right after the All-Star breaks, the last time we saw these guys. So it's been two months, and they've played good baseball, and so the Braves, and it's come down to this. But could you say that there's a slight advantage for Atlanta, not just because you're playing at home and not just because you have a two-and-a-half game lead, but the Phillies really haven't seen this version of the Braves that we've seen on display for the last month, two months. Yeah, I don't think they have. And I don't know if anybody in the division has, with the exception perhaps of Miami and Washington on the last homestand. Right. Uh, but certainly not the Mets or the Phillies. And um, the Phillies would say, yeah, well, we played you when, before Harper got hot, too. And Harper has been all-world. Gregorius has been hot. And there are players that have stepped up for them as well. Um, it's going to be a great series. You said it best a minute ago when you said you feel like the postseason starts now. It definitely does. A playoff start tonight right here. Uh, when you've got a two-and-a-half game lead, that's sure a bonus. You've worked hard to earn that. But uh, it's all on the line now. It, it It's not win or go home, but it's going 
getting close to it. Yeah, it is. And it's great to have a two-and-a-half game lead. You don't have a bigger lead because Alec Bohm didn't touch home plate back in April. Uh, other than that, we're not bitter. Right, exactly. But you got a two-and-a-half game lead. You're at home. Let's go down. Let's go through these scenarios. You you sweep this ball club. You, the division's over. It's over. Which would be best case scenario. Get it done. Fin- you get it done quickly, and you do it against them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Celebrate in on front your of field. Them. Yeah, that'd be best case. You take two out of three. Then any combination of you winning and them losing for one, one, one. you win it. You win one game. You're still in good shape going into that you're Mets still, series. You're still a game and a half up. Yeah. So basically, the, the, it, so long as you don't get swept in this series, you're in good shape to accomplish your goal. You just want to do it sooner rather than later. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, it, it, talking about postseason, Wheeler, Nola, Gibson, even if they switch to Suarez on, on Thursday, this is postseason stuff right here. Yeah. This is postseason rotation. And the Braves are running theirs out there. Right. It's Morton, Freed, and Anderson. So this is postseason like games one, two, and three of a series. And you better, from the Braves' standpoint, you better win at least one. And how about tonight? Let's it, do it tonight. And that's the thing, too. Win game one. If you, mm-hmm. Even if you get just one this series, make it game one. And that way you set a tone. I feel like if you win tonight, you, you really start to think, okay, you, you could knock this thing out in this series. If you win tonight, if the Braves win tonight, the Bra- uh, the Phillies all of a sudden say, we're, we could win the next two games and we're still going to be two and a half out. Because they come here with one objective sweeping. Yeah, they got to. And, and that's going to really put the onus on them if all of a sudden uh, they lose the first game. So what are your expectations for this series? Uh, I'll take two out of three. Mm-hmm. I'll be very happy with two out of three. And I don't care where they are. Uh, as We've been talking about the first game. I'd love to have this first one. But I'll take two out of three in a, any shape, form, or fashion and go from there. When they've come here, the two previous trips, I'm not mistaken, Braves have taken two of three, dropped a series to begin the season, split a four-game series in July. So there, there haven't been any overwhelming series in terms of one team dominating the other um i think they're pretty evenly matched i think the lineups are pretty even the braves play much better defense than the phillies uh their starting pitching certainly is as good if not better than the braves their bullpen um it, it was supposed to be much improved you know over what was just a horrible bullpen last year it is better but it's not great and I think that may be the answer right there. Yeah. You know, whose bullpen pitches the best in the next three days? And I don't think that either one of these teams would say that our bullpen is our strong suit. Both of them have been better. I know the Phillies' bullpen is significantly better than what it was last year. But say what you want to say about the Braves. They did finally find a way in that ball game versus the Padres. And it was, I mean, white-knuckle thrill ride. That's for sure. Well, the, <laughs> Don't want to see that again. But You were talking about uh, what version of the Braves did the Phillies last season? They did not see a team that had Duval, Solaire, Darno. They didn't see those guys. Uh, they didn't see Rosario. Right now, that that's half your lineup. That's half the Braves lineup, not counting the pitcher. That's right. four guys. Yeah, and all four of them have you know deep power, four hundred fifty foot power. So. You talk about pressure on a bullpen in a close ball game. If the Phillies, you know, go to the pen in the sixth or seventh inning with a lead, the Braves suddenly are capable of turning the game around. Any any one of the eight guys in the order, and um, I like their chances because of it. I do too. I think that you could see something 
from the Philly standpoint, they could see something from the Braves that they've not seen all right. year. And right. that's the depth. Um, and, and you just hope that you're get, continuing to get what you've gotten on the mound with Morton, uh, with Freed. What Max Freed did last go-round versus San Diego, that's uh, just gorgeous. You know what? Amazing. Isn't it a comfort knowing that um, – we don't know how this is all going to play out uh, to this point next week. Uh, if the Braves might have to play that lousy, stinking game against the Rockies on Monday, you know, as a as a chance to tie or uh, win the division. But if Charlie Morton pitches today, which he's supposed to do, he's scheduled to go again on Sunday. So you can either save him if you don't need him, or he's. it's nice to have him there on Sunday if you need a win against the Mets. Right. Likewise, having if you have to win that game and he does what he's supposed to do, what a comfort having Max yeah. on Monday or Tuesday if you've got to play a, a tiebreaker. Man, yeah. oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, you do. You, you, you got a, a, another ace in the hole if you need yes. it. Yes, yeah. Uh, looking ahead, and we can do that a little bit given that the Braves have the situation that they're in, if they win this thing... And they match up with the Brewers. And I know we have plenty of time to worry about matchups with Milwaukee and all that. We'll get to all that a little bit later. But comparing this 2021 team to what we saw in 2019 and 18, all three of those teams won the division. This team, record-wise, isn't as impressive as those teams were. Those teams ran away with the division pretty much. They had high expectations going into the postseason. But do you feel like just if this team can just get there, win the division, that their postseason experience from the last three years can make up for maybe not being a 95-win team or uh, storming into the postseason with a humongous lead? I feel like that experience over the last three years, if they can get there, could go a long way against the Brewer team. I think that their experience over the last two months since the trade deadline uh, gives them the confidence they can win it all. Yeah. I think what they've done uh, by adding these players, what Alex Anthopoulos did by adding these players, uh, I know how rough things were in the up to that point, up to the trade deadline. I know how hard it was they were trying to get over or to 500. Uh, who was it? Texas and Braves? Miami. And, and Miami, the only yeah. three teams that hadn't been to 500 all year. So it took 109 games. It, it, it wasn't a good looking team. Right. You know, it was like uh, two steps forward, three steps back type stuff. And when they, those deals were made and this team became what it is now, I think they're walking around with their buttons popping off. Man, I think they're so confident and they feel so good about what they're doing that they could go uh, a long way if they get in. That'd be so awesome. I mean, you think back to the 2018 team. And, and I hate to put it this way, but I feel like this is realistic. Getting there was pretty much your ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Winning see, the division. Yeah, but see, uh, to get in now, I mean, there's there's a lot of fanfare around a team that wins 100 games. Boy, right. they're a good team. They're, the Giants are the team to beat. They won 102 games. Uh, the Brewers win their division. They've got a week to go, and they've already got 94 wins. Okay, but well, how are they playing now? Yeah. Who are they right now? I like the Atlanta Braves with – what do they got? 80, 83 wins. I like the Atlanta Braves with 83 wins right now as much as any of those teams that have 95 or 100. Right, because what you were in April and May doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything right now. It doesn't mean anything. That's the Cardinals. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Cardinals are a great example of that, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that makes this team dangerous, and that's the biggest thing, get in. Once you get in, 
anything could happen at that point. That's exactly right. Which will be great. And the Braves have an opportunity to do that this week. Well, we always take your your questions. Bravesbooth at gmail.com is our email address. And you know that we'll be... uh, having another show i'm not i have a good feeling we're having another show besides this one. Oh yeah and we get to talk about the postseason yeah fingers crossed so make sure you fire away with your questions bravesbooth at gmail.com we'll start with those right now and jj is going to step down and join us so he'll be joining us for this portion as we get into our questions so many really good questions from last go around we couldn't get to all of them we're going to try to get to all of them this week at least some of the ones that we missed from last week so keep firing away with uh, your emails bravesbooth at gmail.com all right i want to get to my favorite question that i read on this list this is from derek and he says Here's my question. Are the players aware of the Toyota stolen base challenge inning and the Georgia lottery home run jackpot inning? I've been wondering this for years, and I think I remember one year, possibly 2015, where Ender Inciarte stole a base in the challenge inning on the last day of the season. And if I remember correctly, it was the only time the Braves players stole a base during the challenge inning all year. To my knowledge, they are not aware. And it's strictly a coincidence that they come through in those innings. But it is nice when they do because we get to have a lot of fun giving away some money. Oh, we love giving away money. We love it. It's not ours. Right. And uh, if the players come through like that, you know, I know you fans appreciate it. So that's cool. But no, they don't know. I'm going to very confidently say there is no way they know. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Snit calling over Ozzy yeah. like, hey, it's the second inning. Yeah. You, <laughs> Need you, you better, to swipe a bag You here. better swipe the bag. <laughs> yeah. There's $2,000 yeah, on the jack- line. The jackpot. sixth inning, fellas. Can somebody go deep here for us? Jackpot's getting up there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take, the, take first, one, JC. the first thing most of them would ask is, do we get a cut? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one from Brendan. He'd like to know how the atmosphere changes for you guys when you're calling postseason games. It changes in a big way. Way more intense. Yeah. It's enormous. I mean, okay, tonight, and maybe tonight's not a good example because this is a big game tonight. But let's go to May the 10th. You're playing the Marlins, and there's a leadoff walk in the second inning. Who cares? Yeah. Get a leadoff walk in game one of the division series. That's enormous. And I know you've said it before, and I've heard other people say it. Walk's a rally. A walk is a rally. You get a man on base, postseason game, you got a rally going. So it, it is way more intense, and everything is much more under the microscope. And uh, our preparation ramps up a little bit, too. And that's not taking anything away from uh, what we do on a normal basis. Ben is as prepared and does more than probably anybody I've ever worked with. And um, that'll that'll go up. That that'll ratchet up even more in the postseason. And uh, so will my homework getting ready for the games. It's interesting because I think that over the last two years, calling postseason games the last two seasons, my postseason prep has has changed, and and it's in line with what you're saying. You prep as much or significantly more than you do for a regular season game, but the preparation is different. I don't think I'm more in tune with you know the fun out of the blue, out of left field stuff, as it would be during the regular season. That's all fun. I consider mean, talk about a player for a team whose dad was his little league coach or something like that. Right. Postseason, I, I think I kind of cut a lot of that out. That's right. And it's a lot more of this game, what this guy's doing, what this team is doing, and everything that's on that field because magnified so much more, I feel. I remember uh, there were times uh, when I was doing the postseason for TBS where – with at this stage of the season maybe a week before this where i'd been told this is the series you'll be doing but there were like four teams 
that had possibilities of being in that series. So it wasn't like I could just sit down and do homework on two right. or three. I had to do four. And I was calling in so many markers from uh, old friends that were still in the game or scouts uh, to get scouting reports on some of those players. And there were times where it was in the American League, so I hadn't seen the American League. Mm-hmm. And it was imperative. I, I spent anywhere from 10 days to two weeks just working on teams that I probably eventually wouldn't even see. Yeah, that, that boy, that, that really paints the picture there because so much of what you prep for probably never even sees the light of day, even if right. you know the two teams. Right, it's true. And I would say take the preparation part out of it, just the game itself. Everything is so much more magnified in the postseason. Uh, every single little pitch and minute seems to uh, be that much more intense. It's a completely different ball game, even from where I sit and what I do. It's um, kind of stressful and sometimes nerve-wracking. Think about that play that happened in Arizona when Waskari Noah got that comebacker and then he had a rundown opportunity but threw to the wrong base. That would blow up nationwide oh man it wasn't just in yeah. it wasn't going to be just in phoenix or in atlanta for that report that would have been nationwide about that mental gaff uh and he may never live that down mm-hmm. uh, because of the attention it would get that's how magnified it is and to, to tell you how magnified it is last year there are times we look back there and JC was pretty much on the floor. Yeah. That championship series. Yeah. We look back, he wasn't even back there. No. He was down. Yeah, under he was. The counter. Uh-huh. Couldn't watch. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it is you just want these guys to win so yeah. so bad. But, you know, look, the, you, there's also a the selfish part of me that, you know, I want to work a World Series. Yeah, absolutely. As we head down the stretch, this is from Eddie. As we head down the stretch or the end of the regular season, it's been particularly frustrating watching any of our starting pitchers not named Charlie or Max. And the reason for it, he says, what's he wants to know, in our opinion, what's led to the major inconsistencies for Tukey, Waskar, Ian, and even Drew Smiley. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, and, and I'd break it down slightly differently for those three because, look, here's what this series tells me. Tonight it's Charlie, tomorrow it's Max, and game three it's Ian. That tells me that, that they view Ian as the guy that's supposed to step up and be the number three. Mm-hmm. And to me, the inconsistencies come with the fastball and the usage of it. Not necessarily location, but just how often he's using it. He's got a great changeup. That's a pitch that it is imperative you have a consistent fastball to sharpen that changeup. And if you're just relying on that pitch and that's it, well, they can sit all over it, or you might not be locating it. You've got to dominate with a fastball. He's got a good curveball as well, which we saw two starts ago out of him. So to me, in my opinion, it's needing to find the proper balance of his three pitches so his best pitch is heightened to the level that it needs to be to get major league batters out that's what i'd say for ian and i would say that that same thing applies to waskar uh he missed a lot of time it's not easy to get back into that same groove that he was in uh at the beginning of the season because it was he was pitching at such a high level but his pitch is a slider where ian's is a changeup, mm-hmm. and he can throw it too much he can overthrow it he can overuse it where the hitter sees it a lot and he all of a sudden he's not swinging at a pitch that's off the plate a little bit because he's already seen it three times that last outing i think it was 60 yeah. sliders yeah out of like 90 pitches yeah so uh, it's also i think cutting into his innings i mean it's it's shortening his outings uh whereas he had not he's throwing 97 
set it up, set that slider up at the fastball, locate it. Right. That's that's first and foremost, and then go to the slider, and then he's back to where he was at the beginning of the year. So I think it'd be easy to say ratio of fastballs for Ian yeah. and Waskar. Location of fastball for Tukey might be Absolutely. the best answer. Absolutely. Because uh, I think you're you're fine with that ratio, but he's got to he's got to pound the zone more of that fastball. I'm I'm with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to some some postseason talk. Um, it says, "What was the most electric atmosphere either of you have ever experienced, excluding the Braves winning the World Series in 1995?" And uh, I, I know that Joe's answer for that. There'd be a lot more options to choose from. I've only called postseason games each of the last two years, but uh, I'll go back to Game Three of the Division Series against the Cardinals two years ago in St. Louis. They came from behind late. I think they had an eight. Uh, they had a, an eighth inning where they scored a run and scored another in the ninth. Took the lead late. That place was slammed and bouncing all day. So that, to me, was as electric as I've seen. You're right. I got a a whole bunch to probably uh, go back to. But one that came to mind right away was the series against the Cardinals. Uh, I want to say 99, um, where they were up on us three games to one. And we came back and won the the series. At 96? Uh, they came back and they won three straight and then they won the first two yeah, in New that's York. It, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Just beat the tar out of them, uh-huh. especially the last day. Um, Donovan Osborne pitched the last game for the Cardinals. His parents, I think, were hippies and named him after the singer, singer Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a true story. Um, and we just beat the tar out of them. And what was satisfying about it was the electricity at the ballpark at Old Bush Stadium in St. Louis and how the Cardinal fans were relishing them beating the Braves, even walking back to the hotel, which is two blocks away. Fans honking, recognizing Skip and Pete and Don and just all over us (laughs) and how we were going down. So that was great. That is great. I've seen some pretty electric atmospheres on the road for sure during the postseason, but something that comes to mind in the last few seasons here in Atlanta, I think it was 2018 against the Dodgers. I want to say it was game three, and if memory serves, Ronald hit a home run off of, was it Walker Bueller? Yeah, Grand Slam. Grand Slam. And uh, this place was pretty crazy yes, that it night. Was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was great. I'd like to say some of the moments from last year were up there, but there weren't any fans. And when the team was on the road, we were up yeah. there in an empty stadium. So. Yeah, it was exciting when they were playing the Dodgers in Texas. I, I have to say, without fans, yeah. it was still exciting riding on every pitch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, those come to mind for me. Yeah. What you got, J.C.? In your opinion, what has led to all of the home runs Richard Rodriguez has given up recently? We really need him down the stretch. Mm -hmm. That's from Cam. Go back to questions. Same thing. Richard has a a very good fastball, uh, mid-90s fastball. And his success this year, in particular when he was closing for the Pirates, uh, was command of that fastball, and he used it. He doesn't try to trick anybody. He doesn't have a trick pitch like a, a split finger or any of that stuff. He's got other pitches, but it's mostly how awesome his fastball command is with that mid-90s, uh, which is proof that you don't need a whole lot more when you're closing games. Yeah. 
uh, that command has gotten away from him. And that's why he's given up some home runs because he's been in the middle of the plate and his fastball's been real straight. I'll tell you what's so fascinating to me about pitching and hitting for that matter. I, mean, I know everybody loves to pound a hanging slider or sit on a changeup and crush one. But these guys want to see a fastball. They want to crush a fastball. I think that pitchers would tell you that maybe the best pitch is a perfectly located fastball. Yeah. And a fastball that's not perfectly located is exactly what the pitcher wants to see. And there in that fine line is where you can see success on either side. It really is amazing. You execute location with a heater, you're going to be really good. You miss just by a little bit. And these big league hitters will eat your lunch every single time. Well, it's what um, Leo Mazzoni preached forever. Um, Low and away fastball. That's what he preached. And that worked out pretty well. Worked for a while, yeah. (laughs) Really did. Uh, Let's see. This says, gentlemen, thank you for your excellent podcast. It is informative and always enjoyable. While we all hope for an extended run in the postseason, it would be interesting to know how you spend your time until next spring training. Are you on year-round on contracts? Um, Those of us outside the Atlanta area would enjoy knowing what keeps you guys busy, at least professionally, of course. And that's from William in uh, North Carolina. Thank you for the question. I I think we've... uh, um, we've had similar questions to this before, but we get to have a life for four months, which is great. And uh, we are on contracts, which is great. So we know we get to come back next year and, and be compensated through the off season and things like that. But you get to catch up on all the things that you didn't get to do for the last seven and a half months. Yeah, I think Ben pretty much nailed it. Um, you know, you get some you, Tom. And uh, it's always nice at the end of every season to be able to do things uh, that you want to do, you know, and have your nights and your weekends and things like that. So more than anything, it's probably the way I look at it is it's a reward for working 70 hours a week for eight straight months. I had a neighbor uh, who used to give me all kinds of grief during the wintertime. So you're off again, huh? You're not working, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and I finally, I finally was able to get him to clam up, but I because I said, uh, "Did you work Memorial Day?" No, I said I did. Did you work July Fourth? No, I did. Mm-hmm. How about Labor Day? I said, "How about the weekends? Do you work on the weekends?" No, I said I worked twenty six straight weekends. Right. So, and I kind of shut him up. I kind of ended it right there, <laughs> right. because, like Jonathan said, uh, when we get in the saddle and put it on autopilot and go, we're we're locked in for six months, and uh, you need some time to recharge. Yeah, you have to. You absolutely have to, and you you want to get that last good month of postseason in, go as deep as you can, and then absolutely shut it down as much as you can, because uh, unlike other teams when we go to spring training uh, we do every single spring training game and uh, I, I know that this this season alone jc and i did every single game what was it, about 29 30 games something like we're, that we're a month deep into games by the time opening yeah. day well, arrives that, yeah. it's so funny to me we come home from spring training and people it, it never fails on a yearly basis and it's not their fault they don't do what we do but they you know they'll say are you ready to get going and it's <laughs> get going bro i've been going i've already done 30 games i've been <laughs> driving all over the state of Florida for the last six weeks. Yeah. What do you mean get going? <laughs> this is the easy part. Yeah, right? it is. It really is. So, uh, it, it, I love the fact that our sport is all for the major holidays. We get to have Thanksgiving and Christmas with our
their families and mm-hmm. uh, so much as we want to, uh, as much as they'll allow. Yeah. My birthday and right, yeah, you know, we all that celebrate. is a good one. We all celebrate that, even you folks at home, even if you don't know it, you don't even realize it, but you do. Uh, this is from Ashley. Is Jorge Soler as big a person as he looks on TV? <laughs> yes. And the answer is he's bigger, Ashley. He is a big man. Boy, oh boy. I think the the list that we had, the the vitals was six four or something and two fifteen when we got him. Uh-huh. He's every bit of two thirty five and probably closer to six five. Yeah. Maybe even two forty. He is a horse. If he climbed into the ring with a heavyweight champion of the world, he mm-hmm. wouldn't look out of place. No, not at all. You'd think that he's supposed to be in there. He's a massive human being. Uh, let's see. It says this is from Adam. It says I sample a lot of Major League Baseball broadcasts, and I think the Braves radio is right at the top of the list. Thank you, Adam. You guys are so good, so informative, and so entertaining. It's such a good listen each and every night. I'd put you guys up against anyone out there. Thank you. Um, he says, "What makes things for your bunch on a nightly basis click? Uh, keep up the phenomenal work." And again, that's from Adam. Thank you so much. That's a good question. It's it's uh, sometimes you just have chemistry with folks. And I I can't think of a better way to put it than the three of us have good chemistry together and we enjoy the game. We love the game. And I think that comes out on the airwaves. And I think if if I'm in the listener's shoes, I want broadcasters who love the game and enjoy what they do. That's going to be infectious. And I feel like that's what we get to do every single night. I do, too. And I I think, um, you know, you can't do this and be thin skinned. Uh, we all have a good sense of humor, I think, and we play off that. And nobody gets their feelings hurt. Everybody can take a joke or be teased or whatever, and that comes across as well. But more than anything else, I always go back to the um, the humor part, the sense of humor, and being able to laugh at ourselves and enjoy the game from a humorous side. And as we said for so many years on TBS, uh, when the game's on the line, we know when to bear down. Yeah. We know when it matters and uh, how to lock in on those parts of the game. And uh, I think that's what comes across, too. And I think uh, every single day when we walk through that door, everybody has the same goal every single night. And it's to give our listeners and audience the best possible broadcast we can every single night from start to finish. And when you work with people like that that have the same goal, it's pretty easy. Um, this is a tough one, uh, but it's worth asking and I think should bear our uh, attention. It comes from Chip Hendricks in Chickamauga, Georgia. I want to make a drive to Chickamauga someday. I know it has some Civil War history, but uh, I just love the name Chickamauga, Georgia. Anyway, Chip from Chickamauga wants to know for Ben and Joe, my question is, do you go with Will Smith as your closer or do you sign a big free agent guy to close next year? And yes, uh, Will is signed for next year. So it's Mm -hmm. it's a fair question. Well, I'm no matter who the player is, uh, and I'll just I'll take Will Smith's name out of this. If you have an opportunity to improve your team, improve your situation, I'd do that. Having more good players is not 
a bad thing. And I think if you can, if there's a guy out there that you can sign, if there is a trade that you see, if there's a way to better your team, no matter who the person you're playing or talking about is, I think you, you do that and you enhance the competition at spring training and you try to make everybody better as a unit. And whether that means Will Smith is getting the ninth inning or the eighth inning or the seventh inning next year, if you're able to accomplish that and add more names into that competition, I'm all for it. Uh, I know that Will, on one hand, has numbers that look pretty good. I know on the other hand, he's uh, almost made our hearts stop a, a bunch of times this season. And there have been some really, really tough losses. So that as it is, if there is a if there's a move, if there's a trade, if there's a signing that makes you better, I do it. And I add as many guys as I can to that group, uh, especially my bullpen. Because I think the bullpen in this day and age of Major League Baseball is so important. And send those guys down to spring training and, and what takes place takes place. Whomever gets the ninth inning, that's Snit's decision. I just want as many good options as I can give Snit. My answer to that is um, while there have been times where uh, we've all been disappointed by the results in the ninth inning because of the home runs that Will has allowed, no one's more disappointed about that than he is. Uh, but I also will stand by the fact that he's got 33 saves. 35. 35 mm-hmm. saves right now. And that's among the league leaders. If, I, if I'm looking to spend money next year, um, it's not on a closer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend money on starting pitching and uh, maybe a position player before I start talking about a closer. Now, to your point, Ben, are there some lesser expensive middle guys, setup guys, all that? Yeah, I'll take a look at that. Right. Uh, and that's knowing what a good year that Luke Jackson's had in that role and Tyler Matzik's had in that role in the second half. But uh, not a closer. I, 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 in my opinion, we've got a closer. He's done a good job. And uh, I'll go spend the money somewhere else. You know, another part of making a change, if you're going to say, okay, I've seen enough of Will Smith. That's only half of the equation. Okay, if you say I'm to that point where I don't want to see him anymore, I also need a better option in order to make that move. Yeah. And Tyler Magic has been really good. And I think if you got to the point here in the month of September where you thought, okay, I want to try somebody else, he's probably the guy. But is there another guy on this current rotation or this this bullpen where you'd say, that would be my answer? I don't know that I have that answer. Uh, Only if there was an injury. You know, if, if something happened to Will where, heaven forbid, where he couldn't go for a few days mm-hmm. uh, and needed needed a blow. Well, okay, those are you know Tyler, Luke, Luke's done it. Uh, then you find out about some people. Right. Tyler's never done it, but you might find out about him right away if he's capable of stepping into that and give you a little more depth there. Yeah. Well, watch that because they're, you get to the offseason, there are lots of moves to make, including this next question from Aaron. says, I know you guys get this question a lot, but I'm starting to get nervous about Freddie exiting via free agency. Please talk me off the, off the ledge. And I think we will all honestly say that we expected Freddie to have had an extension by now. I think I, I expected that before we got to opening day this year. That did not happen. The best thing I can give you, Aaron, is that I feel, and I'm not just saying this, I really feel like both sides want the same thing. Yeah. I I think he wants to be here. I think they want him here. And so long as, as that desire is there from both sides, that gives me the confidence that they will get it done. I hate that it's taken so long. I, I wish this had been done long before now, but it hasn't. And so long as both sides want the same thing, then that leaves me confident that it'll be done at some point. It makes me uh, ask the question, what's the holdup? Mm-hmm. You know, 
if Freddie wants to be here and they want him here, what's the holdup? Uh, it can't be just dollars, can it? Uh, I'd, I'd heard what I knew what he uh, had requested, you know, way back. Right. You know, which was uh, a few bucks more than Paul Goldschmidt got from the Cardinals. I thought that was fair, but I don't know what the holdup is now. Why, why is this taking so long? And I wish we had better answers. Yeah, that would be that'll be one that we can all sleep a lot easier on once that gets done. Well, I don't want to think about Freddie being anywhere else. This is from Michael right down the street in Marietta. It says, how do you decide who is doing play-by-play versus analyst work for specific innings? Also, if it's the ninth inning and game seven of the World Series, who gets to make the call? And I'm going to start. That's an easy one, Michael. That's Ben. Ben gets the ninth inning, but he'd also get the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of Game Seven of the World Series. Uh, it, it won't be Jay Chad; he'll be on the floor. Well, we'll just we'll yell to him and say, "There's one out to go, John." I'll be in the back with a paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be back there with a paramedic and cigarettes. <laughs> Here's the two-two pitch. Clear. <laughs> get the paddles out there yeah. on him. <laughs> no, um, in the past. Uh, I know Don had a rotation with you, Ben, and and with Jim that was a little different than what we do. And I think last year uh, it was 3-3-3. The play-by-play guy did uh, six innings. He did the first three and the last three, and uh, I did the middle three. But this year I just thought that it was better. It was... um a better sound it was a better flow if i didn't do that much play by play because ben's better at it so that's why he does the first four i do the fifth and sixth and then he takes us the rest of the way but but he's doing the ninth inning count on it man i hope we get there that'd be fun here's a question from trent in elk grove california who wins in the steel cage match between the radio and TV crew, and what would your finishing move be? <laughs> uh, easy. We kick their butts. Uh, it's not even close. And my finishing move would be the diamond cutter. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. JC and the diamond cutter. Like I get up on a ladder uh-huh. and get Chip around his neck uh-huh. and just bring him down to the mat. Diamond JC. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, well, we've answered that question before, and it's it's been a consensus that uh, uh, it would be pretty much a real smackdown. Yeah, it'd be over in quick. favor of the radio. What's your what's your move? I think I'm going a, a pile driver. Oh, I mean, just ending oh. this thing. Oh, well, I'm I'm choking them all out. Okay, <laughs> it's a definite sleeper hold choke out. <laughs> you kind of struck me as a figure four guy. Well, I do like the figure four, and uh, you know, a little suplex action into a choke hole would be perfect. Yeah, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't miss the opportunity to drop a stone cold stunner on somebody either. You oh kick my! Kick to the gut and then grab them by the head and bring them huh. down on the shoulder. Would you get yes. the two cords lights and bang them together oh, first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, climb up on the turnbuckle when you guys talk. Me a couple of yeah. ice cold beers. Yeah, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, super flash snooking. You know, coming off that top rope. Yeah. Oh baby, that's a finishing move right there. Yeah. I, just instead of having your wings out flying off that top rope, my hands would already be cupped, ready to go around his throat. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, with you guys being gone as often as you are, do you sometimes have things to do like get haircuts on the road? That's from Butch. You did that the last trip, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did it in Phoenix, and uh, and I appreciate you guys' help. Uh, Butch, I don't know if it's this kind of thing doesn't really make make uh, the airways, but after my haircut, it was so bad that 
Ben and Jonathan went down there and beat the crap out of that guy because it was sad. It's really sad. I appreciated it. It's grown out a little bit. It looks pretty good now. Yeah. This side anyway. Right. Uh, let's see. Here's another one. This is from Bill. This is not a question, just a comment. I know the season is a long one. You guys do every single game, spring training through the postseason. I just want to thank you for all that you do and for all the long hours you put in. It's clear you're very dedicated to your craft. We all say thank you very much, Bill. Thank you very much. We, we love doing what we do, and it is our absolute pleasure to get to do it for another season. We're hoping for a big crowd in these three games, well, all week long, but especially with the Phillies because so much is riding on it. And Blake wants to know, would there be anything more satisfying than watching the Braves celebrate in front of the Phillies this week? And the answer is no. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Um, the Braves have certainly, with all the uh, division titles they've won, including the last three in a row, uh, there have been times where uh, they've been able to celebrate at home. And there's nothing better for our fans than to see that and see the uh, exuberance, the genuine excitement, and the happiness that uh, they all exhibit when they win. This one would be very meaningful uh, for, for many reasons to win this division because, number one, you, you would get to do it in front of your fans for the first time in two years. Didn't get to do that last year. There was no one here uh, when the Braves won the division. And then second, this team has seen so much adversity this year. I feel like every season is going to bring its fair share of adversity. But to me, this season has had so much more adversity than normal. They didn't have a winning record until 109 games into the season. And had you told me that back in March, I'd have said, well, there's no chance this team's winning the division in 2021. But to battle through the Mike Soroka news, to battle through the Ronald Acuna injury, to battle through the pitching injuries that they had early in the season, uh, to go through that exhausting, their next chance to get over 500 is coming up and then being knocked back down. I feel like that happened every other week for the first four or five months of the season and couldn't get there. To clear all that and still win the division would be great. To do it on your field against these guys, that ramps it up even higher. That would be extremely satisfying. I think it's pretty satisfying, you know, no matter who you do it against or where where you happen to do it. But certainly, as Ben pointed out, to be able to do it in your home ballpark in front of your fans, and on top of that, uh, have uh, one of your division rivals sitting in the visiting dugout watching you celebrate on the field, heck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just nothing better. Nothing better. Here's a question from Randy in Kennesaw. Randy would like to know, um, he says, uh, keep up the great work. Question for y'all. In the late innings, it would have been the ninth or 10th of Saturday's back and forth game in San Diego. Did Joe refer to the game as cray cray? And if so, can you please clip that audio and play it now? Thanks. <laughs> uh, I can't clip it and play it right this minute, but I promise you, Randy, I will get it to you at some point. But um, yeah, Joe did say cray cray. Yeah, I did. It was, it was nuts. It was wild. It was craziness. And That's just, what it was. It was just cray cray, man. It was. Yeah, that, that game was unbelievable. Um, that's that's top three or four yeah. crazy game in my opinion. We yeah. went to dinner after the game Saturday night, uh-huh. and we had an eight thirty reservation. Had to be pushed back to nine thirty because the game was four hours and seven minutes. When you know Joe backed out of dinner, and normally I would have given him a hard time, but <laughs> I completely understood because it was it was probably too late to be eating. But sitting there at dinner that night in San Diego, it was like you were just mentally exhausted mm-hmm. and done, and we didn't even play in the game. Yeah, yeah, and you, and we go to work the next morning, right? 
literally in the morning out, out west, um, still with kind of a, uh, not a buzz from your dinner, but your your brain's kind of numb. I was in a fog. Yeah, your brain's a little numb from mm-hmm. all that happened and all that went on. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I just remember thinking, when I woke up that next morning, and it hit me, oh gosh, we have a day game coming up in a few hours. All I could think of was just get through this game. You, you got yeah. an off day the next day because 10 days on the road is a long time. But then you throw in a game like that on the tail end, uh, it's, it's just like, my gosh, I'm cooked. Well, yeah. I mean, the trip in general, though, I mean, you go to three cities, you're in San Francisco for three, you're in Arizona for four, you resume a suspended game on Friday before your actual game starts. You have a four hour and seven minute game on Saturday. It was a long, mentally exhausting, draining trip uh, when we. We got on that bus to go to the airport in San Diego after the game. I don't know that I've ever been more ready to get home from a trip. Yeah, and, and we were lucky in this regard. It was a three-city West Coast trip, but the the flights in between San Francisco and Phoenix, Phoenix and San Diego were short. They were short hops. Yeah. Less than an hour, I think, yeah. in, in both occasions, right? I think Pretty San close. Francisco to Phoenix was close to two, but it was under two for sure. Yeah. But then Phoenix to San Diego an hour tops. But thank goodness it wasn't a uh, San Diego, Seattle... Denver, Texas or, Denver something like yeah. or something like that. There were short hops in between by comparison, and that helped a lot, too. Yeah, it did. It did. So it was uh, appropriately usage of, of the term cray-cray. Yeah. <laughs> Given everything that took okay. place in that ball game. I know that much. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping things up on this episode, I know we're really excited for tonight and this series and this week all together. And hopefully the next time we're doing this, we're setting up the division series next week against the Brewers. I'm confident we will be. How about you, JC? Feeling good about it? Oh, I've already uh, made dinner reservations in Milwaukee. <laughs> and we won't have to push them back there. They're actually off days. Looking forward so to I'll it. So I'll be in. You're, you're You'll in. be in. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We need somebody it, to pay anyway. It, it so. won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't be uh, early bird special, but it won't be that uh, late stuff like you guys lay into. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, feel free to fire away your, uh, your questions for next week's episode, postseason special, which we feel pretty good about. And that is bravesbooth at gmail.com, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff you do where you get your podcast. And we will be back with you next week. And we hope to see you at the ballpark, this homestand. Got the $4 tickets. No excuse for you to not be here. Braves and the Phillies and then the Braves and the Mets. And you might get to see uh, the Braves clinch on their home field. Hopefully that's the case over the course of this week. For Jay Chad, for Joe, I'm Ben. And you've been inside the Braves booth.